It is the best-selling book in history. No volume ever written has been more loved and quoted. And its words, sometimes simple and sometimes mysterious, should always be studied carefully. It is the Bible, the Word of God. Welcome to Bible Answers Live, providing accurate and practical answers to all your Bible questions. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Doug Batchelor. Hello, friends. Would you like to hear an amazing fact? Well, it looks like the religious robots are coming. For example... A 400-year-old Buddhist temple in Kyoto, Japan, has a new priest named Mindar. He delivers sermons and moves around to interface with worshipers. But Mindar comes with some uh, unusual traits. A body made of aluminum and silicone, for starters. Yes, robot priests are popping up everywhere. Last year in the small German town of Wittenberg, they unveiled a robot priest that's called Bless You Too that delivers blessings in five languages while screaming beams of light from its hands. During a Hindu festival in India, the Patel Automation Company hit on the idea of letting a robot perform the worship ritual for the elephant head god at its Pune facility. Then there's Santo, an 18-inch tall robot that looks like a generic Catholic saint, but it's equipped with some software it uses to listen to people, scan their faces for signs of specific emotions, and then select religious texts that might be relevant to their troubles. With a recent explosion of artificial intelligence, it makes you wonder, where do you draw the line between a smartphone and a computerized pastor? Stay with us, friends. We're going to learn more on this edition of Bible Answers Live. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, accurate and practical answers to your Bible questions. Welcome, listening friends, to Bible Answers Live. And this is just as it sounds. It's a live, international, interactive Bible study. And we'd love to invite you to participate by listening, praying for us as we do our best to answer questions from the Bible or call in with a Bible question. That number is 800 God Says. That's 800 800- Got your pencil? 463-7297. To call in with your questions, 800-463-7297. And you can also listen at the Amazing Facts or Doug Batchelor Facebook page. Well, you can listen, you can watch. And if you do happen to go to Facebook and look at our stream there, you're going to notice that we have a little different background because Amazing Facts is right now moving into our new offices in Granite Bay, California doing our radio program with our laptops and stuff but we are live tell your friends to give us a call tune in call in with your questions i'm doug bachelor my name is john ross good evening friends and pastor doug let's start with a word of prayer dear father we thank you that we have this opportunity once again to open up your word and study together we do ask for the holy spirit to come and guide us as we search the scriptures thank you for your promise to be with us be with those who are listening lord for we ask this in jesus name amen amen Well, Pastor Doug, in the age of computerized shopping in computerized directions and even to some degree computerized medical assistance, diagnosis, different. Well, why not have a computerized 
pastor that could uh, sympathize with you and quote scripture. Well, it seems like some folks are thinking about that, and you don't have to pay a salary, I guess. And Well, you know, there, there are probably some people in my church that wish I was a computerized <laughs> pastor. <laughs> you know, the, the, I think that there might be something that would be missing or even maybe even ethically wrong with that. Now, I've got a confession to make. My, um, my daughter bought me a, an Alexa which is, you know, it's a kind of a wireless device. You ask it questions. I'm usually saying things like, you know, what's the temperature today? And remind me to make this phone call. And, but you, you say, uh, you call out its name, you say Alexa, and then you ask a question, um, what, what time is sunset or whatever? And she answers, you can even say Alexa, you, you got a joke, and it'll, it'll tell you a joke. Or Alexa, play this music, and it, it plays the music. And, and I remember asking the Alexa for a question, and then it told me, and I said, thank you. And I'm saying, what am I thinking, the computer? <laughs> it doesn't know. And I think it said, you're welcome. <laughs> and, and it's, boy, I think it's going pretty far. You know, I really, I don't think we're going to ever have to worry about a robot replacing a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago, they had a series called the Step- Stepford Wives that, you know, someone would actually develop a robotic husband or wife. You know, God made man with the Holy Spirit. There's something different. You can read in the book of Job, man is not just an automation. We have a free will. There's inspiration where ideas come that doesn't come necessarily from pre-programming that they can't even explain. I mean, how does Mozart suddenly know uh, how to do what he did? Um, In Job 32, verse 8, it says, But there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding And this is talking about more than just the breath of life. It's talking about something about the spirit that gives him understanding. You read in Daniel 5.11, the queen mother said, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. There is something unique about man and as intelligent as many animals are. Um, No animal compares with man in just his ability to communicate, to think and build and uh, live out the abstract uh, in in imagination, and so no, I don't think you'll ever. You could you know train a computer to recite scripture, uh, or maybe even the, the computer priest they've got there in uh, Japan. It just is reciting. It goes around on wheels and it recites pre-programmed prayers. But I know when I'm preaching, things come to me that weren't in my studies, and I just say, "Well, that isn't from me." You know, God is speaking. There's something about inspiration now. God is offering that spirit. You know, there's a certain breath of life we all get when we're born, but there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit we must have when we're born again. Jesus said, unless you are born of the water, water baptism, and the spirit, spirit baptism, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And we have a special gift that talks about the important need of the Holy Spirit we're going to make available for free to anyone who asks tonight. The book is called The Holy Spirit, The Need. Again, it's called The Holy Spirit, The Need, and we'll be happy to send this to anyone who calls and asks. Now, we're going to give you two numbers. The one is the one you call if you have a Bible question. The other is our resource phone line, and that is 800-835-6747. And that's the number you want to call and ask for the book called The Holy Spirit, The Need. The number again is 800-835-6747. And if you have a question, the phone line here to the studio is 800-463-7297. We're going to go to our first caller this uh, evening. We've got Bill listening in Illinois. Bill, welcome to the program. Oh, Pastor Doug, Pastor John. Hi, thanks for calling. 
And I hope you don't mind, but I'd like to say hello to Pastor Barney also. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I could not resist that. I just, I just, I've called several times, and I just, I could not resist saying that tonight. Barney's the imaginary pastor, but anyway, I know what you mean. <laughs> and your question tonight. My question is, I bought myself a Bible, and I looked through so many of them, and I finally decided on one, and I bought it, and I was in a nursing home. And when I came home, I started reading it. Before that, I was reading Bible on uh, audio app. So when I came home, I started in the New Testament, and I read through the entire New Testament because I had gone through the Old Testament on my phone, and I started over again after I was through with the New Testament. I started reading through it a second time, and I get to the book of Psalms, and it goes, from Psalms 89 to Psalms 116, it's missing like a dozen pages. So I called, I called the company, and they said, oh, don't worry. We have a lifetime guarantee on our Bibles, and we'll be happy to send you a new one. We'll send you a form to fill out, send it back to us. We'll send you a new Bible. So when I got the form, the, Bible said, the form says that they want me to tear out all the copyright pages in the Bible and send them to them, and they won't take photocopy. It has to be the actual pages. And so I wanted to know, would that be like vandalizing God's Word to rip pages out of the Bible? All right. Now, if a person, that's a good question. I can understand you would think that doing something like that might be on the borders of doing something sacrilegious. If you've got a defective Bible, you know, some Bibles, actually, I've had to throw out Bibles just because they got torn and old or got left out in the rain or got caught in the rain. They swell up. They're useless. You know, Bible is sacred when you're reading the word. The book itself is ink on paper. The spirit gives those words life. If a person was just trying to be uh, evil and desecrate a Bible, that would be wrong. But if you've got a defective book that's in, in the printing and the publishers are saying, as opposed to shipping the whole Bible back, which is heavy, send us a copyright pages so that we know that you bought it, what version it was. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, then you can, you know, reverently dispose of that Bible after they issue your, your new one. And usually for uh, the pages that have the copyright information on it, uh, they separate pages. They don't typically have Bible text printed on those pages. It's just the front section you have to take out. I think that would be fine. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I can understand. I appreciate that. I heard about a man that was in jail in China. Someone brought him a Bible. Well, he wasn't at all religious, but he did smoke cigarettes, and he couldn't get any cigarette papers. So he started tearing out the onion-thin pages of the Bible and using them as cigarette papers. But he thought, well, this is a religious book. I should probably be reading it uh, while I smoke it. So whenever he got ready to smoke a cigarette, he thought, I better read the page first because I'll never see it again. He'd read it, and then he'd roll the cigarette and smoke it. You know, somewhere around Exodus, he got converted. <laughs> uh, he, he was doing something we don't recommend, but, you know, God can even use that. Hey, thank you so much for your question, Bill. We appreciate it. You know, we do have a book talking about the Bible. It's called The Ultimate Resource, and sometimes people have questions about where did the Bible come from, how to read or study the Bible. I think you'll find this book very interesting. It's called The Ultimate Resource, and if you'd like to get a copy of that, the number to call is 800-835-6747 and ask for the book called The Ultimate Resource. We've got Bob listening in Texas. Bob, welcome to the program. You're on the air. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, I had a question about one of the judgments listed in the Bible. 
and it's Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Um, when and where is that judgment? Uh, that's my question. Okay. This is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what Christ is talking about at the very end. Now, in this parable, you get the sheep and the goats representing the good and the evil of all ages that have ever lived. And that would be at the end of the 1,000 years. It's like the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennium when everybody who has ever lived is present and accounted for. You know, ultimately, the saved, he says, well done, good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of the Lord. They are given permanent access to the new Jerusalem, whereas the wicked are being um, told they are forever cast out. They go off into the lake of fire and the result of their punishment is eternal. They don't get a second chance. That would be the judgment at the end of the 1,000 years. Um, are there any definite clues that uh, put it at that time? It's in a, um, the texts around it uh, look like they have to be about the Lord's second coming. Well, the reason we think it's at the... Uh, now, first of all, if you look in Revelation 21, you find the millennium. And it tells us that the at the end of that 1,000 years, Satan is ultimately and his angels cast into the lake of fire. You have that happening in verse 41. It says this uh, everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. In Revelation, that's at the end of the millennium. Could we send you a study on that? We've got a study that talks about the millennium and this judgment, and it's got all the verses. Sure. What you need to ask for, Bob, is just simply a study guide called A Thousand Years of Peace. A thousand years of peace. It's all about the millennium. The number to call is 800-835-6747. 800-835-6747. Ask for the study guide called A Thousand Years of Peace. You can also read this online. Just go to the Amazing Facts website. It's amazingfacts.org. If you enjoy hearing solid biblical answers on Bible Answers Live, you can have those same insights at your fingertips through the Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible. The updated hardcover version is available at its lowest price ever and includes the complete set of Amazing Facts 27 study guides, plus a Bible numbers and symbols chart and eight pages of colorful maps. This best ever Bible gives you a biblical cyclopedic index, words of Christ in red, chronology of the Old Testament, along with Doug Batchelor's How to Study the Bible feature and much more. Call us at AF Bookstore to learn more about it at 1-800-538-7275. The Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible stands apart from other Bibles, giving you the same solid answers you hear each week on Bible Answers Live. Order your copy today at afbookstore.com or by calling 1-800-538-7275. Find out what the critics are raving about. Top scholars and theologians from around the country come together to reveal the hidden history of the book of Revelation. With powerful reenactments and incredible visual effects, this 95-minute masterpiece brings to life the book of Revelation like never before. Revelation is no longer a mystery. Get your copy today. Visit iTunes or afbookstore.com. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at 1-800-GOD-SAYS. We have Chase listening in Houston, Texas. Chase, welcome to the program. Uh, good evening, Pastor John, um, Pastor Doug. 
How are you guys? Hi, doing good. Thanks for calling. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, so I recently started reading Ezekiel, and um, in chapter one, uh, it starts out Ezekiel's having a vision, and he sees these four creatures, and and then he sees, I believe it's in verse fifteen, he sees these wheels, and they start interacting with these wheels, and I'm having a hard time understanding what these wheels are. Can you help me with that? Well, I'll do my best, but you might have to get in line because it's probably one of the most mysterious apocalyptic prophecies. The The answer that I've heard, a, a professor, um, he was talking about how life we've learned now in many ways is a wheel within a wheel. And of course, it looks like this power, these wheels within the wheels, the creatures are, you know, mobile. You could look at a an Abrams tank and a track that drives a tank is a wheel within a wheel. But I don't think the these angelic creatures are going around like that. Keep in mind, the creatures are symbolic in Ezekiel and in Revelation when it's talking about dragons with seven heads and some of these things, there's symbolism there. But the symbolism of the wheel and the wheel, our, our solar system is a, a series of wheels within a wheel. A cell of life is a wheel within a wheel. We just see even atoms and neutrons and electrons just in the whole universe. There's this, there's this order of things, and it's almost like, um, you know, Ezekiel is is seeing this power of life. So it's it's something of a mystery. I don't know, Pastor Ross, you got yeah, yeah. Again, it's a symbolic picture, but it uh, one explanation I've heard is also illustrating the mobility where God is all knowing, is all seeing these four living creatures that make His throne. They can move to the left, the right, forward, back, and um, God knows what's going on. He's very much aware. He's not limited to a particular place, but he's aware of what's happening. It's, uh, that's one explanation on, on the wheels, representing mobility. Yeah, and even maybe more telling is the four creatures you see there in Ezekiel are identical to the four creatures you see in Revelation 4, that the same faces. Okay. You know, we, we, I'd like to carry a book on that, but I, I have not seen anything that really unpacks that as well as I'd like. It's something of a mystery. Oh, I appreciate your insights. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate your call. Next caller that we have is uh, Becky listening from Michigan. Becky, welcome to the program. Hello. How are you doing? Doing well. How can we help you tonight, Becky? Um, my mom is in the hospital, and it's just a lot of things are complicated right now, and I'm a little upset, a little lonely. So when you're feeling lonely and you're wondering what you can do, well, of course, we'll be praying for you and your mom. As far as an answer would go, the Bible tells us to cast our cares upon the Lord. Now, can you imagine God in heaven pacing the floor and wringing his hands looking worried? Or can you imagine God perspiring with concern? You know, or God's the vein standing out on his forehead as he's worried about a situation. God is the quintessence of peace. He doesn't worry about anything. When you cast your cares on him and he sees the beginning from the end, you know that he has a thousand answers to whatever your, your heartache and your loneliness is now that you don't know anything about. And he says, I never leave you or forsake you. Uh, you know, David in Psalm 23 says, even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, the Lord is with you. Keep in mind, you don't stop in the valley. It's something that God has to bring us through. There are going to be challenges in life. There's going to be shadows. But 
they're temporary. You go through them with the Lord. So just stay close to Jesus, and uh, he'll, he'll help bring you through that. Okay, Becky? Okay, thank you. God bless you. God bless you, and, and uh, we'll be thinking of you and your mom. I'm just thinking, Pastor Doug, if we have a book dealing with that. I think we had one called When the Brook Dries Up. I'm not sure if we still carry that one. That might uh, have encouragement, yeah. talking about going through trials or difficulties. And Becky, if you'd call our resource phone line, that's 800-835-6747, and ask for the book called When the Brook Dried Up, and uh, you'll be able to, I will send it to you for free, you'll be able to read, and I think you'll find comfort and encouragement uh, through trials and difficulties. We have Richard listening in Georgetown, Guyana, it looks like. Richard, welcome to the program. Yes, good evening, and thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir, we appreciate it. Um... As I read the Bible, I realized some of these men of God, they would have had several wives. I don't see anywhere as it being condoned anyway. However, um, what I would like to know, if in these days a guy can commit adultery with his first wife, you know, let's say he was married, he's now divorced, and he has another wife and then he has an affair with his first wife how would that um, situation be unfolded um, in the in terms of is it adultery it was always his wife is she always his wife all right good question you know there's actually a verse and pastor Ross might help me find it in Deuteronomy where Moses said that if a man divorces his wife and gives her a certificate of divorcement and he goes and he marries another woman, that he cannot go back to his first wife, lest the land be defiled. The Bible does specifically address that you know, God did not want the children of Israel to say, well, I'm not sure I'm happy with my first wife. I'm going to divorce her, marry another wife. Well, the grass wasn't really any greener. I guess I'll go back to my first wife. God said, no, you can't do that. Once someone had given his wife a certificate of divorcement, they were to take that very seriously, and it was to be considered permanent. Yeah, it would be considered adultery. Once you've divorced your wife, she is no longer your wife. To go back to her again is adultery, especially if you're married to somebody else. And uh, I don't know if Pastor Ross is probably looking, looking it up. Yeah, it's, I, I know it's in Deuteronomy, and I gave you a pretty good quote on it just from memory. Sometimes uh, as you get older, you can't remember the chapter and verse. The uh, passage is Deuteronomy chapter 24. It starts in around verse 1 and goes through to verse 3, and it addresses that. So Deuteronomy 24 is the chapter. All right, Richard, hope that helps a little bit. And we do have a book we can offer on marriage. Yes, it's called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. And we'll be happy to send it to anyone who wants to learn more about what the Bible says about marriage and remarriage. The number is 800-835-6747. And you can ask for the book called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. Next one that we have is E. Frank listening from New York. E. Frank, welcome to the program. Good evening, uh, Pastor Doug and Pastor Ross. Uh, evening. Yes, I would just like to uh, state uh, that, uh, you know, I recently, uh, in the last 72 hours, lost a fellow friend of mine who was a fi- financial secretary of my religious organization and I just wanted to address this question because it's a concern of me because this happened to have happened besides the death about approximately three weeks ago uh, a reverend uh, uh, minister of the word who was visiting our church here in Queens 
from the continent of Africa, who is a 1976 World Olympiad from the World Tennis Team, uh, he uh, uh, indicated that he was concerned about what's going on in the world, uh, especially right now in this time period, because uh, he got nervous when he saw that the, the sky was turning on a blue a uh, cloudless day in New York City was completely and entirely dark on a Monday morning when uh, there was reports of an asteroid coming approximately 12,000 miles from the sun's orbit into the Earth. As you might have heard that, that, that did occur, and he was very nervous. Are you, was he wondering if there is there anything in the Bible about the astronomical uh, phenomenon? He was concerned that it, it it could be from the seven plagues and the seven bowls, and I tried to calm him down uh, to tell him that maybe it's not that. It's just that those are astronomical anomalies that do happen from time to time. Okay, good. All right, so I, I think I understand. Yeah, there. The Bible tells us that you know there. Of course, God made the sun, moon, and stars, and and we have shooting stars that are even mentioned in the Bible, talks about falling stars. He may have been referring to one of the seven plagues, and the trumpets, I think, also talk about a fiery Burning mountain. Burning star, yeah, yeah, coming down. And Is that nine, Revelation 9? Revelation 9. Yeah. Some people have wondered if that uh, burning star coming down in Revelation 9, is that an asteroid striking the earth? Uh, or And I think it mentions something similar in the trumpets. You know, there there have been comets. There, sometimes God shows signs in the sun, moon, and stars. As recently as yesterday, I was reading Josephus, the historian, who talked about the fall of Jerusalem, and he said there were signs in the heavens. You know, sometimes God may give astronomical phenomenon to be harbingers of things coming, but I'm not qualified as a prophet to say what that one asteroid meant. I mean, there, Halley's Comet comes every 70, 72 years. Well, you know, we do have some prophetic specific moments when uh, we do have mentioned Matthew 24 talks about a time period when the stars will fall from heaven and this, the moon has the appearance of blood and um, the sun is darkened. And we know these from certain historical occurrence. Back in 1833, there was what's a tremendous meteor shower across North America. And people recognized that as could possibly be a fulfillment of this verse. But this does occur again just before Jesus comes. In quick succession, yeah. I probably would not, I would think that um, God would do something more dramatic. Uh, we had a uh, shooting star or a meteorite that uh, struck the atmosphere over Sacramento this year, I believe it was. And uh, all these people took pictures and said, what was that? You know, and it changes the atmosphere briefly when it does that. So that's happening. They had one that we struck Russia, created a matter of the one that hit Russia well, about four or five years ago, created quite a boom and broke windows, and some people were actually burnt by the flash. This one in New York, I don't know that it was uh, uh, the most prominent astronomical sign. Well, we appreciate your question, your call, E. Frank. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a moment, and we'll get on with more calls. Call us 800-GOD-SAYS, 800-GOD-SAYS. And in the meantime, don't forget... Uh, you can see so much more on the website, amazingfacts.org. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Bible Answers Live will return shortly. The Bible tells us that salvation, of course, emanates from God. 
So we need to know something about God to rightly understand and embrace salvation. Yet in the church today, there's a great deal of confusion about the nature of God. The Bible says God is one God, but is he three persons? Is Jesus also eternal God? Because Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean there was a time when he did not exist or he was brought into existence? Is the Holy Spirit a person? Or is he just the force and the energy that God uses to communicate? You know, I thought this was so important, I really felt led of the Lord to write a book on the subject called Exploring the Trinity, One God or Three. In this book, we answer those very important questions. We talk about the history of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, as well as the history of the Holy Spirit in the church and how it has been much debated. This is something we really need to understand because Jesus said eternal life comes from knowing God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Through radio, television, print, evangelistic events, and the Internet, Amazing Facts International is heeding the call of Jesus to go into all the world. Millions of individuals in over 150 countries have been blessed by the Word of God. Amazing Facts has spawned new spheres of influence in India, Africa, China, and Indonesia. With each new country come hundreds of translated booklets, study guides, and video presentations produced in each region for the people of that region. Armed with these precious truths, gospel workers are empowered to spread bright rays of light on every path they travel. Please visit reachtheworld.amazingfacts.org to learn more about Amazing Facts International and how you can participate in this exciting, soul-winning ministry. That website again is reachtheworld.amazingfacts.org. Thank you for your support. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, where every question answered provides a clearer picture of God and His plan to save you. So what are you waiting for? Get practical answers about the good book for a better life today. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live. Hello, listening friends. If you've joined us along the way, this is Bible Answers Live, and we're taking your Bible questions. 800-GOD-SAYS. 800-463-7297. Keep your pencil handy because we also give out another number that takes you directly to our resource line. It's just no easy way for us to not mix up the two lines, one for questions, one for resources. You can also watch the program now if you want to see it. We're kind of moving into our new studios, and that's uh, just at the Amazing Facts or Doug Batchelor Facebook page. And I am Doug Batchelor. My name is John Ross, and we're good to go to the next phone call. We've got Phil listening in New York. Phil, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for taking my call. Could you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Okay, great. My question is this. You can go to the web right now and see at least a half a dozen websites by apparently authoritative people, archaeologists, all of whom say the same thing, that Solomon's Temple was not in that plateau behind the Western Wall where you find the the Dome of the Rock, but it was in the City of David, 
that is very interesting because it would appear, to, if that is confirmed, it would appear to open the door to the possibility of a third Jewish temple. So I wonder what you think about that. Well, I, I've heard that before. Uh, I've been to Israel three times. So have I. And traveled with uh, some pretty well-educated scholars. And they were all, uh, all that I spoke to were, and I've been to where the City of David excavations are going on. We stopped and looked at that. It's remarkable what they're finding. But there is no area there that is big enough to accommodate the roughly uh, 13 acres that Solomon had under his temple and the great patio and the porch that are spoken of there in uh, Second Kings, or First Kings, sorry. Uh, so I'm still, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm still inclined to think that the, the location on Mount Moriah, where the Western Wall is, is where Abraham offered Isaac, and it's where ultimately um, they called it the threshing floor of Ornan, where David had the temple built. Okay, thank you very much for your opinion. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to my question. All right, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Next caller that we have is Matt listening in Sacramento. Matt, welcome to the program. Hi, Matt. Are you still there? Might have your mute on. Matt? Matt, are you there? Hello? Yeah, Matt, you're on the air. Oh, sorry. I was, I'm from Michigan. Michigan. Oh, okay. Sorry. We got a little mix-up there on our phone lines. And your question? Yeah, it's on uh, Revelation 13.13. 13. Okay. The fire that comes down. Is it possible that's more of a symbolic kind of a meaning of like a false God's acceptance or a sending of a false spirit? It is possible. Um, in the Bible, when it talks about fire coming down, it was often an indicator of God's favor. When, you know, Abel offered his sacrifice, God accepted it. He did not accept the sacrifice of Cain. When Moses consecrated the temple in the wilderness, fire came down from heaven. Uh, fire sometimes came down from heaven as a judgment, as it did with uh, the sons of Aaron, and later it came down in the time of Elijah as a judgment, but it also came down sometimes as a sign of God accepting a sacrifice. When it says bringing fire down from heaven, that's something that only God typically did. Uh, there's one time in the book of Job, it looks like the devil brought fire down from heaven. Otherwise, it was always God. So it could be telling us in Revelation 13 that sa Satan is going to seek to counterfeit the power of God or the, you know, uh, looks like the acceptance of God some people used to think, well, that's an atomic bomb, fire coming down from heaven. I don't think so. I, I think it's talking about uh, counterfeit Holy Spirit or imitating the power of God. You, Pastor Ross, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just going to add a little more. You got fire coming down from heaven in the book of Acts. Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the form of tongues of fire. And I think in Revelation in particular, there is a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the end. And there's so-called miracles and signs that appear and that helps to galvanize those who are opposed to uh, the truths of God's word and obedience to the commandments in the last days and so the fire coming down from heaven in Revelation 13 30 is talking about this counterfeit spirit this counterfeit movement in the last days and the Bible warns about it absolutely does that help Matt yeah that does yeah you'd probably enjoy the uh, we do have a book on the Holy Spirit we'll send you a free copy it's part of tonight's offer it's called uh, simply life, uh, the need, Holy Spirit, the need. That's what it's called. We have another one called life in the uh, spirit. Life in the spirit. Yeah. But uh, just ask for the one called the Holy Spirit, the need. The number to call for that is 800-835-6747. 
and you can ask for the book called The Holy Spirit, The Need. Our next call is Carl, listening from Canada. Carl, welcome to the program. Good night, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. How can we help you? Yes, my question is in respect of Luke twenty-two thirty-six. I was listening to what may have been a religious broadcast, and these gentlemen were saying that Luke twenty-two thirty-six means that Jesus uh, wanted his disciples to be armed. It says something about selling your cloak and buying a sword. Is it a literal sword, or is he talking about the word? Is it symbolic language as opposed to literally them arming themselves with the weapons of the day? All right, uh, good question. And let me read this for our friends. Christ is speaking, I'll start with verse 37. He said, I say to you, that which is written is going to be accomplished. Well, I'm sorry, let me go to 36. But now he who has no money, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. And then in verse 38, the disciples said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Now, the way that really translates from the Greek is Jesus said, enough of this. When Christ was saying, sell his garment and buy a sword, he wasn't recommending that the disciples arm themselves because later when Peter pulls out a sword, and that's in Matthew, I think, he says, put your sword away. He that lives by the sword will perish by the sword. Jesus told them not to use swords. So what does it mean when he said, he that has a garment, let him sell it and buy a sword. He meant do everything you can to arm yourself with the word of God. Christ said, I did not come to send peace, but a sword. And he meant that the sword, sometimes the word of God divides. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So the question is, what does Jesus mean in verse 38? And that's in Luke 22. When they said, look, Lord, we have two swords. And he said, it is enough. He said, "It enough of this. You don't get it. For example, Jesus takes the disciples. He's going across the Sea of Galilee. And he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they said, oh, man, we forgot lunch again. What's he talking about? Jesus said, you don't get it. I'm not talking about bread. I'm not talking about lunch. I'm talking about the teachings of the Pharisees. So Jesus sometimes speaks in metaphors. He was speaking in a metaphor here. He wasn't suggesting that we take up swords. If Jesus wanted us to take swords and defend him, he wouldn't have given himself. He would have used his own power to defend himself. He wouldn't have told the disciples, put away your swords. So yeah, I, I am pretty certain that Jesus here is speaking in a symbolic term. Now that's, uh, this is a whole different issue of is it wrong or right for a Christian to own a weapon to defend their home? I'm just saying in this verse, to say that Jesus was telling Christians, arm yourself, I don't think that's what this verse is all about. Matter of fact, a little later on you read about the time Peter did take out his sword to try and fight off the Romans that came to arrest Jesus. And Jesus said, put away the sword. He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. So. He's not telling the disciples to get weapons for some sort of an assault on the Romans. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you so much, Carl. Appreciate your question tonight. Hope that helps a little bit. Next caller the band is Patrick listening in Massachusetts. Patrick, welcome to the program. Hello, Doug and Pastor Ross. How are you guys? Good. Good. I've, I listen to your show all the time, and I've always given everybody um, your channel, no matter where I go, as well as sharing the gospel. Well, thank you. And... Uh, the one I really like is the Cosmic Conflict and 
the pride, the beast, the devil. And that really, oh, well, good. that's something that I really needed to hear and to share that to other people. Hey, have you seen our, just while we're on it, did you see our, our latest DVD called Kingdoms in Time? Yes, I got that one. Yes, when when you guys got it out. Yeah, I got that right away. Yeah, that's a that's awesome. I like that. All right, great. And your question? I got my family in Philippines that when you guys were there, I was sharing then your channel as well. Amen, amen. Um, the question is, um, I was reading on the Bible, and I came across to Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, and I believe it says, it says that if you uh, divorce your wife for anything other than sexual immorality and you marry another, commits adultery. So I'm in the bind now because I've divorced my wife for not for sexual immorality but for something else. But now I'm currently married to my wife for three years, and I stumbled to this, and I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in big trouble. What do I do? Well... Uh, you know, I can't comment on whether you had biblical grounds for your first divorce or remarriage. You're really saying, what do I do now? You, we read a scripture earlier tonight in Deuteronomy that says if you've divorced your first wife and you've remarried, you can't now divorce your present wife and go back to your first wife. What do you do? Like, take the story of King David. David does something. He sins. He commits adultery with Bathsheba, then he kind of has her husband killed, and then he marries her, and then he's confronted with what he's done. So what's he supposed to do now? Divorce Bathsheba and leave her a widow? Uh, no, he kept her as his wife. He repented of his sin. And I heard a pastor say one time, you cannot unscramble scrambled eggs. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you, you've made a mistake and you can't, you know, you just have to pray that God will forgive there's going to be consequences for all of our decisions we make, but you can't always untangle those knots. Uh, it's like they say, you know, you just you love your present wife, try to be a faithful Christian husband, uh, learn from any mistakes of the past. If you have children from your former marriage, you need to care for them, but you need to move on where you are, where you are now. You know, we have a book that does address this called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage, and I think you'll find that helpful. Um, Patrick, all you'll have to do is just give us a call on our resource phone line. The number is 800-835-6747, and you can ask for the book on Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage, and it gives you all of the different Bible texts relating to the subject. I think you'll find that helpful. Again, 800-835-6747. We've got Tom listening in South Carolina. Tom, welcome to the program. Oh, uh, hello there. Hi, how are we doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, my question uh, is, I uh, uh, I retired from my part-time job at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. I was paid $400 a month. And so my question is, I pay tithes, but I don't pay offering anymore because I didn't have the money. And I was wondering, should we pay the offering like I gave to you folks and I gave to couple other things uh should we continue paying offering and let god supply or should we uh not pay anything well of course you're making the right decision to faithfully return your tithe there's a promise in malachi chapter 3 that if we bring our tithes into the storehouse that god will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing and bless us sometimes we don't know how he's going to do that, and he surprises us every time. Uh, God promises, if we're faithful, that uh, he will take care of us. 
Now, I can't tell you, you know, what you should do as far as offering is concerned, but there in Malachi, it says, bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. You're going to, you know, the tithe is a specified amount. God says a tenth of your increase. Offerings is different. It's something that each man purposes in his heart, as it says in, I think it's 1 Corinthians. You know what you might try? Put God to the test. He, the Lord says in Malachi chapter 8, he says, prove me. You might try just say, all right, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to afford it, but I'm going to, I'm going to make an offering this month uh, to my church or wherever you choose and say, Lord, uh, are, are you going to now bless the remainder and see if God does something extraordinary for you to um, supply? Now, we also have, you know, we have a free lesson we can send you, Tom, on the subject of uh, tithe and offerings. It's called In God We Trust, and we'd be willing to send that to you free or anyone who wants more information on this subject. And the reference that you're referring to is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It talks about, let each one give uh, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And uh, if you'd like to get that study guide talking about finance and money and what the Bible says, the number is 800-835-6747. That is the resource phone line. And just ask for the study guide called In God We Trust. And we'll be happy to send that to anyone who calls and asks. What if you could know the future? What would you do? What would you change to see the future? You must understand the past. Alexander the Great becomes king when he's only 18, but he's a military prodigy. 150 years in advance, Cyrus had been named. Rome was violent, they were ruthless, they were determined. The gospel writers see his death as a fulfillment of salvation. This intriguing documentary, hosted by Pastor Doug Batchelor, explores the most striking Bible prophecies that have been dramatically fulfilled throughout history. Kingdoms in Time. Get your copy today. Available now on DVD, Blu-ray, or USB. For more information, visit kingdomsintime.com. The Bible tells us that salvation, of course, emanates from God. So we need to know something about God to rightly understand and embrace salvation. Yet in the church today, there's a great deal of confusion about the nature of God. The Bible says God is one God, but is he three persons? Is Jesus also eternal God? Because Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean there was a time when he did not exist or he was brought into existence? Is the Holy Spirit a person? Or is he just the force and the energy that God uses to communicate? You know, I thought this was so important, I really felt led of the Lord to write a book on the subject called Exploring the Trinity, One God or Three. In this book, we answer those very important questions. We talk about the history of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, as well as the history of the Holy Spirit in the church and how it has been much debated. This is something we really need to understand because Jesus said eternal life comes from knowing God. We've got Robert listening from Walla Walla, Washington. Robert, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor Ross. Hi. You there, Robert? Robert in Walla Walla. Are you there? He may have hit the mute button. It looks like you're still on, but we don't hear you. Let's try one more time. Hello? Yep, we can hear you now. And your question? Uh, last time we talked, we talked about the, the spirit and how it's breath. Uh-huh. I just was wanting to know, um, 
that's not the same thing as in First Peter three eighteen, though, is it? Um, where there's spirits in prison that Jesus is preaching to. Correct. It is different. There, there's times, and you have to read the context when he talks about spirits in prison. He's talking about people. He's not talking about breath in prison. He's talking about those who lived in the days before Noah, that God through the Spirit spoke to them. Um, it says, when once the long suffering of God waited in the day of Noah. You know, there's a few times where the word spirit is used to talk about individuals. Just like, you know, there's even sometimes where the word soul is used, not talking about a person's spirit or a person, even an animal. It means any life. It says all the souls in the sea died. <laughs> And you're talking about First Peter chapter uh, three, verse oh, roughly eighteen through twenty-two. Right. And can you name any verses that talk about uh, a human being a spirit besides that one? I think a one verse talks about the spirit that is in man knows the thoughts of man. Yeah, I actually I think I read one tonight in the beginning of the program where I was talking about. Job, it says, there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Well, there, there, it's not just the breath. It's talking about he's got understanding. Well, yes, there's several, actually. I mean, you look in Proverbs. I'm just, I looked up spirit, and it says, the spirit of man will sustain him in sickness, but he who, but who can bear a broken spirit? Mm-hmm. And then it talks about a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will retain honor. So, the word spirit is used in different contexts. Right. And I think even Paul talks about the mind and the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's this ethereal essence of God in man. We do have a, a book. Maybe um, Robert has read that already where we talk about the dead. Are they really dead? And it talks about the three definitions for the Holy Spirit in Hebrew and Greek. Yes. If you'd like to receive that, uh, anyone, Robert, or anyone listening, just call our resource phone line. The number again is 800-835-6747. Ask for the study guide entitled, Are the Dead Really Dead? Again, 800-835-6747. We've got uh, Nick listening from Michigan. Nick, welcome to the program. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Really well. It's like you're in the next room. (laughs) (laughs) And your question. Yeah. um, I have a friend who's struggling with the whole concept of Jesus being God and also being the Son of God and like being the same as God, you know, all that. So can you, like, explain it? Well, there's some mystery to it, so I won't pretend that I can explain it at all, because the Bible talks about the incarnation is some, somewhat mysterious, but I can show you scriptures that tell us that Jesus is God. First of all, uh, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So everyone agrees that's the big God that made everything. Then you go to the New Testament, it says that all things were made, through Christ, the Word. So if God made everything in the beginning, and then it says that all things are made through the Word, or Jesus, Jesus must be God. The Bible says only God knows the thoughts of men's hearts, but it tells us Jesus knew what was in man. Several times Jesus read the minds of the people that were around him and told them what they were thinking. If only God can do that, then Jesus must be God. The Bible tells us that there is only one Savior that is God. Well, Jesus is a Savior. He must be God. Uh, Bible tells us we should worship God, only God. It's a, one of the Ten Commandments. It tells us even the angels worship Jesus. Well, if Jesus received worship from angels and humans, and God says we should only worship God, 
he must be God. So as you go through the Bible and you look at all the definitions of God, Jesus, it can be dropped right into all of those definitions. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I've got a book that, uh, I mean, I just gave you the, the what do you call it, the uh, thumbnail sketch, the tip of the iceberg. I'll get, send you a free book on that, and it's uh, a new book I just wrote on the Trinity. So if you ask for my new book on the Trinity, it, I have a whole section that talks about, Is Jesus God? The number to call for that is uh, 800-835-6747. And again, just after the book, On the Trinity. I think it's called uh, Trinity. Is it biblical? Something like that. Well, I forget one God or three. One, okay. We got two books on the Trinity. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got two books. Um, one God or three. And uh, the number to call is 800-835-6747. We have uh, Wade calling from North Dakota. Wade, welcome to the program. Yes, Martha, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, my question is, is how do we distinguish between promises and statements and then between the Old Testament and New Testament? You brought up a good one with, with the Malachi one. Uh, there's one there in Ephesians where it says God is able, able to, above and beyond, do anything that you ask or think of. Now, is that just a statement that doesn't say he will? How do you distinguish between promises and statements when you have a specific situation and you're looking for scriptures and everybody says, well, you can claim the promises. Well, okay. He promised the Israelis that he would get them out of Egypt after 400 years. So I, that doesn't apply to me. But you know. Right. Well, in a sense it does. He, in a way, he saved them from Egypt. He saves us from the slavery to sin. He delivered them from the Pharaoh. He delivers us from the devil and they went through the Red Sea and we get baptized and then they were baptized in a pillar of fire we're baptized in the Holy Spirit so the whole Exodus experience actually has a great analogy for salvation but back to your question um, first of all there are a number of promises in God that don't become valid like a check unless you take it to the bank so if you are praying and you need uh, you know some special help and like when God says he's exceedingly able to help you abundantly above all that you could ask or think, you can get on your knees by your bed, open your Bible, put your finger on that verse and say, Lord, I got a problem. Can you help me with this? And, and I've, I've always seen God to come through when he makes a promise in his word. If we meet the conditions, you know, there's, the Bible says, if we're turning away our ear from hearing his law, then our prayer is an abomination. He doesn't promise carte blanche answers to people that are living in known rebellion. If we surrender to the Lord and, and we love him, the Bible says whatsoever things we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. A lot of promises. Peter says, and I forget where it is. I read it this week, exceeding precious promises that by these we might become partaker of the divine nature. Uh, yeah, just a lot of a lot of promises in the word. That's Second Peter chapter one verse four. Second Peter one four. There's a promise right there, and you memorize the promises of God. You know what? <laughs> I you know I almost hate to admit this, but I've been surprised when you just go to like even Google and you type in Bible promises on this or that. It categorizes them and it gives you a list of forty Bible promises on forgiveness. 50 Bible promises on this. So so many people have done studies on this that it's all over the internet. You can find Bible promises in categories just by searching it. And so it's wonderful. And then it gives you the scriptures. You go back to your Bible. You know, we also have some resources on Bible promises at the Amazing Facts website, just amazingfacts.org. 
So there you go, Wade. Hey, I hope that helps a little bit. And uh, I wonder, is it still warm in North Dakota? All right, who's next, Pastor Ross? We have time for, ooh, we don't have time. we got 30 seconds. All right, friends, that looks like it's time for us to tell you it's been a blessing. Make sure and go to the Amazing Facts website and keep tuning in. You're going to see the studio here where we're doing the program go through some transitions. If you go to amazingfacts.org, you'll be able to listen to a lot of our Bible Answer programs from before. Remember, we're all faith-based, so we appreciate whatever you can do to keep us on the air. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith-based ministry located in Granite Bay, California. An international pandemic killing thousands, riots ripping communities apart, a global economic implosion. Many are wondering, is this the end of the world? Few question the military, economic, and technological might of the United States. So if we really are facing the last days, if these worldwide catastrophes are really harbingers of the end, shouldn't we expect the United States to play a key role in the final events of Bible prophecy? The book of Revelation provides unmistakable clues. And to help you understand them, Amazing Facts is releasing America in Bible Prophecy. It's going to take you step by step in identifying the global forces at work in these last days. You might be surprised what the Bible really says. You owe it to yourself to find out. So get yourself a copy of America in Bible Prophecy. For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com. Would you like to know God's plan for our troubled world and solutions for your life's challenges? Beautifully redesigned and updated, Amazing Facts 27 Bible Study Guides provide straightforward Bible-based answers that are enlightening, encouraging, and easy to understand, giving you real relevant Bible answers to questions like, how can I have healthier relationships? When will Jesus come? And much more. Order yours today by visiting afbookstore.com or by calling 800-538-7275. Did you know Amazing Facts has a free Bible school that you can do from the comfort of your own home? It includes 27 beautifully illustrated study lessons to aid in your study of God's Word. Sign up today for this free Bible study course by calling 1-844-215-7000. That's 1-844-215-7000. If you'd like to enhance your study of God's Word, visit our website at www.amazingfacts.org and sign up for our free Bible study course. And make sure to check out our online bookstore at afbookstore.com, which offers thousands of inspiring books, DVDs, and more to help you get the most out of God's Word. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org.